0: This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic, and I'm inviting you to my one-time-a-year event, React Holiday. It's 25 React-related tips delivered right to your inbox. This year's focus is non-React skills that support great React development, JavaScript, JSX, and even HTML. Sign up for this newsletter, React.Holiday, that's React.Holiday, and get 25 lessons right to your inbox. Now, cue the music. This year COVID changed the way that developers meet up and share ideas. TJ Van Tol shares his experience with these challenges moving the DevReach conference online. We talk about some of the surprising trends, absolute failures, and opportunities that exist for you to find a unique voice in it all. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Honey Badger and Infinite Red. Let's be honest, you ship code with errors. Don't worry, I do it too, we all do. Oftentimes errors get caught by automated tests or QA tests, but sometimes they don't. When you push code with errors and those errors make it all the way to the user, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger monitors and sends alerts in real time, providing the context you need to quickly identify and eradicate errors in your day-to-day deployments. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron monitoring into a single, easy-to-use platform. And Honey Badger doesn't just have your back, they'll also alert you when external services fall over and background jobs start to fail. Get 30% off of Honey Badger for six months when you mention React Podcast at signup. There's no credit card required, just visit HoneyBadger.io. While you're there, you'll find the story of Star, Josh, and Ben, the bootstrappers behind Honey Badger. And you'll learn why self-funding means your interests are always number one. Check them out at honeybadger.io. Infinite Red is your go-to resource as a React and React Native developer. They know these frameworks inside and out. And whether your company is huge, medium, small, or even tiny, Infinite Red can help you design, build, and ship quality apps. They've been doing it for over 10 years, and listeners of this show absolutely love having them as a friendly expert resource. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. TJ Vantol, welcome to React Podcast. Awesome, thanks for having me. <laughs> I am super to have you on the sh- super happy to have you on the show. Uh, we, you invited me to take part in uh, DevReach, which was an online conference, and it was super fun. I I don't know. I think I've done a couple like online meetups, but this is the first like online conference that I've I've done. And you just organized it so well. Could you tell me a little bit about like your role and like kind of like the part that you played in the conference in general for anyone who was who wasn't able to participate?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I work as a developer advocate for a company called Progress, and we traditionally hold uh, two different events every year, one of them being DevReach. And DevReach, we were pretty proud. We have the biggest event, biggest like tech event uh, in Eastern Europe. So it's a big deal every year. And then COVID hits, of <laughs> course, and then suddenly all that comes absolutely crashing to a halt. And one thing we wanted to do is we, we, we're we involved in a lot of events, right? I do DevRel, so I speak at events. I, I go to events as an attendee. We sponsor events. We run events. And so we've noticed with a lot of these events that are going online and such, a lot of them are, I guess, the, the kind way to put it would be not particularly entertaining. <laughs> and I... I don't say that is in like a, a necessarily a criticism of these events because it's it's actually quite hard, right? A lot of these conferences were just suddenly told, "Hey, you know this event you're holding in like 2 or 3 months. Oh, you can't do that." And good luck trying to figure out the nonsense that is like online broadcasting to try to put something <laughs> off compelling over the air because it's actually quite hard. It's it's not something that you can just say like, "Oh, well it's not happening in person, so let's just try streaming the exact same thing over, you know, over a zoom call and just, and just see what happens. And we can get into the specifics of that, but short story for DevReach is we want to do just try something different. We figure that why not the, the event can't happen in person. So let's just try something just new and different and see if we can make it more engaging. And the, the sort of short story of the, the format is, first of all, we held it entirely on Twitch. Nice. So we think Twitch is a platform we've been using throughout this year pretty heavily, and we think it's engaging. Like, it just sort of encourages people to use chat to get more involved. I think it's becoming more of a platform that's just common in general, uh, especially during the pandemic, uh, even outside of the, the tech world. And we did everything totally live, and we did sort of like a revolving door of speakers that would come in and just sort of hang out. It was less of a conference where you, pick your, you, fix your, eh, you picture a conference, like a speaker comes in, they show slides, maybe some coding for 30 minutes, yeah. and that's sort of their conference talk. But we tried to make it more of just like a chat. So you came on, we talked for a little bit. You showed a little bit about uh, CSS Grid, uh, the audience, the chat got involved, and it's try to create more of a, a hangout atmosphere than just like a one word. The speaker just talks to the screen for 30 minutes and then you bring on the next person.
0: Yeah, this was something that I found so delightful about the format. And I think having watched um, some of the remaining conference, I think there was some, some people maybe didn't get it as much as others. Uh, not, not a judgment, but I, I think we're all trying to like learn like how to adapt to this new world. And I thought it was super fun the way that you had had it set up. And I, I've, it's honestly been in my head for a while. This notion of, you know, at a conference, you know, the host yields the stage to the guest, right? You know, you have the host, they introduce the 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 person who's going to give this talk. They walk off. The person comes up, delivers the talk to the audience, and I thought. And like, it would be awkward if you just stood up there the whole time, like during everybody's talks, right? Yep. But you really adopted this kind of like streaming format, which I thought was really interesting where you were, it was almost like a pairing session a little bit. And you were like kind of communicating through the process, making sure that the audience understood what was like being talked about, collecting responses like for the speaker to like kind of adapt to their presentation. And it was like, It was just really fun. I'm curious, like, kind of what landed on that kind of like, you know, kind of pairing, collaborative, host, speaker type of thing that you landed on?
1: Yeah, so this is sort of through iterations. So we started off doing a thing. I I still run a weekly segment called React Wednesdays, which is just a a weekly React stream we do. It's 1 o'clock Eastern. Every Wednesday, we bring people on to talk React. And this thing started where where I first got started with Twitch. It's like, okay, Twitch can't be that hard. <laughs> I'll go live. I'll broadcast something. And the thing is, what I discovered right away is that, at least for me personally, I am not extremely compelling in and up just by myself, right? Like, I don't know. Like, Same. Twitch is a busy place. <laughs> like, if you go on Twitch, right, there's all sorts of streamers, incredibly entertaining, popular people, different games calling for your attention. Yeah, And it's a crowded space to compete in especially if it's, you're, you're pushing like coding. Like, I don't know who necessarily wants to see me code like a to-do list app. And I can tell you from experience, it's about like three or four people (laughs) that care to see that, right? It's, it's not super engaging. So the next iteration was, okay, well I should bring on people that know something interesting, right? It could be, they know a specific topic really well. Maybe they're have some background on the framework And we would make it more interview style, just sort of similar to what we're doing here, Mm -hmm. right? And we would just chat about a specific topic. And that works too. But at the same time, you're sort of missing a bit of what makes Twitch really compelling, like the the video portion and being able to see and guide through a screen. So the, the current iteration and sort of what we did with DevReach is, I invite people in to sort of demo something, something that they think is cool or they think is engaging for the audience. But I stay on as sort of like, a, kind of like an interviewer. But like you said, it's kind of like pair programming as well. Cause I can sort of watch the chat. I can pass along like fun messages or uh, questions that come in. So I'm, I'm sort of like a moderator as well. In addition to just making the, it's more conversational instead of just one person talking to the screen. And I would say too, because having spoke at a lot of online events, I can say it is really hard to deliver an online presentation oh my as a speaker. Yes. Because, and I'm sure you can sympathize with this as well, but if you're at an event and you're in front of an audience, right, you can see the audience, you can get feedback. And is what I'm saying working? Is it not working? Are people paying attention? Are they looking at your phones? When you're at a virtual event, you're just staring into the abyss and you get like no feedback as to are people, is, is anybody even physically there on the other end of this, right? Are they listening? And so I found having that other person on the line with you during the the virtual event is a nice, like, there's something reassuring about just even hearing like, uh-huh or yeah, from some other human throughout this to just know like, oh, someone is there, they're paying attention.
0: It's really nice. (laughs) It's so true. I found that even with even with doing these podcasts, I started with just a like a phone. um, There's like a I can't remember what it's called now Zencaster, and it was just like like audio, and you could see like the wave file moving and whatnot. And like I remember feeling like I was caught in this balance um, between wanting to provide enough verbal feedback to the, the person that I was talking with so that they felt like, oh, okay, there's still someone like on the other side of the line. We didn't drop connection and all that. But then also having that be incredibly like irritating in the actual end result of the podcast, right? Because just these interjections is yeah. like, mm-hmm, interesting. Oh, wow, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's, I think it's so true. There's like giving those talks in this virtual space. It's like the, I don't know. It just feels like the walls are like coming in a little bit. And like, you have no, you have no external frame of reference to know, like, is this landing? Am I even still streaming? Right? Like, am I going to look down at my phone and see a text message? That's like, Hey, uh, we lost you like five minutes ago.
1: Yeah. And I think this is especially true from people that are like really talented speakers as well. Like, um, so like you think the people that would like headline some of these events, you, if you're telling jokes, it is really hard to tell a joke <laughs> to a screen. I mean, we've seen professional comedians really struggle with this with the pandemic. You watch any sort of late night show. It's it's hard yeah. when you don't have that audience or you want to land some really important point and you want to play off the, the audience like being silent at certain points and all of that is just gone. And so it's like a lot of things that, you can't just take what worked at a physical in-person event and just assume that you can just port this one to one to a digital space and it's going to be just as compelling for the audience because it really isn't and even from the audience's perspective they you know we think from these events like oh Doing these events all digital means our potential audience is now enormous because there's all these people like any when I do react Wednesdays on Twitch, my audience is potentially endless, (laughs) right? Like infinite people could just click that link and go there. But there's a far gap between that, like the possibility and actually convincing people to show up for these things because there is so much competing for people's attention at home. Um, Yeah. They could just show, go to YouTube and Google whatever topic they're interested in and find very highly polished videos, tons of them for completely free and watch those as well. So you have to have some reason to be compelling and want people to show up and
0: watch whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. It's, (laughs) <laughs> it's so true. And I've been struggling with this as well in the the podcast. And we, we talked about this before we kind of actually started the official part of this call. But like, you know, COVID came and it really uh, kind of like dismantled the viability of like, you know, a podcast like mine, right? Like, I think, you know, we took like a 30 plus, like, percent listener cut. Like, as soon as people stopped getting in their cars to like drive to work. Um, which is really interesting. And like it, it, I think so much of like what coronavirus has done is like pushed us forward, like on a lot of things. But like what I've been realizing is, is that, you know, it was just kind of like me and, you know, a a guest. So we had that part kind of figured out like the, like the, the back and forth type of thing. But, Um, There was no audience participate or there is no like audience participation, really. And there's no like community around like people just like listening to a show. And so I feel like you've been kind of like leading up to this. And I'm curious, like, how important is that community piece in actually making sticky uh, streams and like sticky products and sticky events?
1: Yeah, obviously incredibly important. And I wish I had like the magic bullet answer for you right here. But I I mean, I still struggle with this on React Wednesdays. I mean, we're up like our viewership started, you know, we started with a handful of people watching and we've had points where we've reached like 100 viewers, but now we're like sliding back down again. And there's no clear reason why people show up and such. And it's been hard because like on Twitch, too it's so much more fun. And I think you saw this when you were at DevReach, when the chat is involved and really that's what makes it a compelling mm-hmm. experience. That's what lots of people want to come and stick around, but it's a chicken and egg situation <laughs> because you've got to get the chat to actually show up to create that experience, which is really, really difficult. And so we've been experimenting with things like this is sort of back to what we're trying is like, why not try some of these things just to see what works. So We've been experimenting with time slots because part of the challenge is you got to get people to actually show up yeah. for these things live, and so you at the end of the day you have to pick a specific time. So that's been one struggle because do you do it during work hours? Are people going <laughs> to tune into Twitch during work? Uh, and the answer is people are more likely to tune in during work than they are like after hours sure. because. After hours, they. I think most people. I mean, some people might care to tune in to watch React. Most people have other things they'd prefer to be doing. Even if they're coding, they're maybe doing some side project, yeah. not like watching you on Twitch.
0: It's easier to spend someone else's time than your time.
1: Yeah, exactly, and you can justify it too, right? Like it actually is like it's very legitimate learning yeah. resources. So it's it's actually not, um, you know, it's not like you're cheating if you're watching Twitch or if you're listening to your podcast. It is very much work related. You are learning stuff so we found that work hours actually works uh, quite a bit better but it's it's things like that like experimenting coming up with ways that you can get people to show back up show up and get interested and like i said i don't have the the magic answer other than to sympathize with it's it's really really hard
0: <laughs> where do you see those communities um like working because there's so many places to 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 build that. I think you know you have you have Discord, which seems to be really rising up in that. But it is again like a different place than Twitch, you know, where Twitch has you know subs, but like that's really only like during the event that you're actually communicate, like having that two way dialogue. And then you have I don't know you have like Twitter, you have like email lists, you have it, like where do you devote your attention as you're trying to build community? Around these educational like practices and resource um, like shows,
1: yeah. So it's it's tough, right? Because Twitch is great as a platform for some things, but it is absolutely awful <laughs> from like uh, engaging with users and such. In terms of like, you can't do things like schedule and say like, "Hey, this Twitch stream is coming up." Like, Twitch provides no mechanism of doing that. Twitch provides fairly limited analytics. Like it'll tell you like things like how many view your show and stuff like that. But it's hard to see like, oh, these are the users that are continuously coming back. Here's the audience I'm building. The analytics around this aren't that great. So we've tried to, we're getting into looking into things like, well, maybe we should be using something like Meetup for doing this because that'll handle things like doing calendar reminders because you want people to remember, hey, this is coming up. Uh, you know, unlike the podcast, which is like feed based, you get people to subscribe, but then the episodes sort of show up. What makes Twitch really work is having people there, and so like the calendar invite is actually quite important. And so I'm kind of manually doing that right now, which is about as fun as it sounds. <laughs> it's it's and it works about as well as it sounds too. So we're looking into some ways of making that um, better. Maybe it's going to be email. Maybe we could get into. I've discovered that. Calendar invites are like one of the worst parts of tech oh, too. My gosh. Like it's just it's it's one of those things like HTML emails that like you never really think about, but if you ever have to wade into it, it's just yes. absolutely awful. So
0: you it, know it's so funny. One of the one of the first amounts of money that I spent when trying to like build up this show. Um, Well, first was just on like hosting for the show, but then I spent uh, like another $15 immediately on um, Calendly because I was like, this is the worst. This is hands down the worst part of this job. I will pay any amount of money to like opt out (laughs) uh, of calendaring. (laughs) Yeah. And I might have to check that
1: out because we, that's honestly been our biggest struggle, like getting people to show up live because we try to put little things in, in our streams of like. I mean, you did this during DevReach, like get like put in some ways for the audience to actually directly engage with what's happening, because that's something that can't happen during a normal conference. You can't just say like 10 minutes into the talk. The speaker can't just say, um, you know, what are some sort of things you'd like to see and get them directly worked into whatever they're coding and such and get a little bit of back and forth. And that's far more possible in this type of stream. But again, only if people show up live it's and it's less fun to say watch the recording afterwards. you really want to create an atmosphere where you're actually um I, th- I think I've heard people describe like in twitch streams that do work, it feels like it's it's like a hangout yeah. right? like you're hanging out with some friends, you're forming a relationship with the streamers. you know a little bit about their personalities. And it feels like you're just stopping by to 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 just chat for a while and so that's the sort of atmosphere we try to create, but you have to get people to show up for that sort of thing to happen
0: yeah and that's you know it's really interesting because it is such a uh, like that trade-off is is really challenging because it takes um an incredible amount of uh from the presenter flexibility i think and this is like it's not just raw programming ability at this point right like you have to I, I, and you were talking about this earlier like you kind of have to be like you know part you know comedian part like improv programmer part like actually skilled at the thing enough for people to want to learn from you like it's super challenging
1: it's a it's a different skill set so i've said what i found is that people that are traditional sort of conference speakers they they're better than like your average person that you bring in like out of the blue because they do have that natural speaking skills but it's a slightly different skill to be able to sh- do this sort of thing completely live right cuz a lot of conference speakers are are used to giving something very like scripted or procedural. You go up on stage, you do this routine, and then you're done, sort of thing. Whereas, what works best on Twitch is if it is flexible. If if the audience wants to see something different, for you to be able to actually discuss that or show that, or um, at best, like actually code something that they want to see or go down some totally different path. And it really is a different skill set, and um, that's why we tend to bring in people that have deep knowledge of whatever it is they're talking yeah. about, so that they have that ability to sort of dive into the the nitty-gritty that people want to see. Because I think that makes for something more engaging. Because again, you got to stand out because if you want to see 101 of React Router, there's 20 YouTube videos for that. So why is someone showing up to a live <laughs> Twitch broadcast? But if you have someone that knows it really well and can dive in and can chat about it, and hang out and show different pass, well, then you have something that's actually maybe pretty interesting. And
0: maybe people want to show up and participate with. That is a really interesting differentiator. And I know that I've experienced that as a speaker before, where I'll propose talks of things that I want to learn. And, you know, as a like giving a traditional conference talk, that's totally plausible, because you control the full path, right? And so you can you can only know the things that are directly on that golden path and give a really uh, like engaging awesome like beautiful talk and have no idea to how to answer people's questions afterwards and this kind of flips that model on its head where you know people are tuning in to see you go down those rabbit holes and if you're not like if you're not ready to do that like people are going to tune out and move on to something else
1: yeah and the the other thing we struggle with too is we don't want to make it too intimidating for speakers because we do have some people that are uh, a little bit scared of that for yeah. <laughs> good reasons, right? Because you, you are totally doing it live, right? Um, I mean, we've even struggled at Progress. We have a history of, we run, a, even before COVID and such, we did a lot of like online like webinars and broadcasts and such. And we had historically leaned quite heavily towards pre-recording yeah. things and just pushing them out just because so much can go wrong live. <laughs> uh, whether it's so, so logistical things like internet connection or whatnot, or just screwing something up or just like speakers not wanting to do it live because you're, again, it's just puts more pressure on you to do it right. But I think we're, we try to tell people that even though like that, it what we're saying is true, like you do have to know your stuff quite well. Twitch also tends to be more forgiving. Mm. Uh, people like to see that other people are human, like someone who really knows their stuff. They also struggle with compiler errors or they also have, <laughs> issues coming up. So I think as long as you don't get too worked up about the fact that you will run into issues, you will have problems, and that it's totally acceptable, I, I think it's fine to, to make mistakes and such. It's more of a forgiving atmosphere.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it is interesting. And I, I definitely think the It's, it's fun to see this becoming more of a, more of a norm and like seeing who's rising to the occasion. Um, Because you're right, it is a very like unique set of skills and it's, um, I have that, that that like taken voice in my head. uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's stupid <laughs> um i'm not even gonna try to try to i have a specific set of <laughs> it. I yeah i can't get into get into the full character um but yeah like it, it takes a special set of skills and i and and having that that pair that you're talking about really does seem like a nice safety net um because i mean i you know I, i've not given a lot of talks, but I've given several talks. And the first time I did one online, I just, I remember feeling like if something goes wrong, I'm going to be depressed for the rest of the day. And like, nothing's going to pull me out of it.
1: (laughs) Well, and think about it's even true at in-person events where it's can be fairly tough to be, you're just out there on a podium. And if something goes wrong, like it's sort of on you (laughs) to have a backup plan or to figure it out. I mean, and if the conference organizer has to go up and bail you out, that's like incredibly embarrassing situation, right? So, if someone's there with you all the time, it's it, it's a little less intimidating yeah. to to try something interesting or unique.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I guess I'm 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 curious for people who, I think a lot of people who listen to this show are really interested in how to like take their. Development to the next level, and a lot of people are interested in content creation. You know, whether that be through 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 writing, through you know, streaming on Twitch, making YouTube videos, uh, writing courses, doing Dev Two articles, like whatever it is. Like people want to be more involved in these like community these community squares, right? Yep. So I'm curious, what are, what are your recommendations for people who are looking to get involved um, in? In in this type of space? So like streaming, you know, conference, like online conferences, etc.
1: In general, I usually encourage people to whatever it is, you're sort of interested in doing it, just try it and do it. And so whether that's if you want to try writing or streaming or producing videos, and it part of it is just an acceptance of it's going to be rough at first. (laughs) Uh, it might even be rough, not at first, like a little further down the line as well. I I know from Twitch, when I first started streaming on Twitch, I would stream for hours at a time with like two people watching yeah. me, right? And that's that's just sort of the way it is. I even have probably my most embarrassing story is I once did a stream where about 45 minutes in, somebody popped into the chat to tell me that my mic wasn't working <laughs> the entire time which oh, I can tell brutal. you if there's anything that makes you want to immediately quit everything you've ever done, <laughs> oh. it's that, right? You start to question everything. And so sometimes it's just pushing through that. It's it's like yeah. anything else in life. If you think what you started with, like whether it's anything, think about the very first line of code you wrote or the very first uh, app you wrote and you'd be embarrassed about it if if you're years later, right? Because you've made some weird decisions, the same is going to be true of video production, of streaming yeah. sort of thing as well. You're, I mean, maybe you're magical and you're going to get it right away, but chances are it's going to be rough. Uh, streaming, there's a bit that goes into it in terms of just from a technical yeah. perspective. Like, for example, like my home office setup is sort of something that I've built up over time, right? I started with just a, a cheap Logitech headset and eventually I got a nicer microphone. I got a mic stand, I got a nicer computer that could handle more powerful streams. I'm still and you know, it's constantly an upgrading thing. I'm still working on making my lights not look weird sort of thing. <laughs> so it's constantly evolving. So it's it's actually quite similar to just building up your development skills. There's a lot of parallels yeah. there. You just start small, work your way up, but I would just encourage people to do whatever it is you you kind of have passion to do because that's what's going to keep you going and keep you pushing through some of these barriers. It's it's got to be something you genuinely are interested in and want to do.
0: Yeah, that's I think all that is so true. I think that the 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 barrier to streaming like e- even just getting it like a, a reliable stream is so high. Like, I remember I was like, you know what? I think it was maybe two years ago. I was like, I'm going to try this streaming thing. And like, I, you know, tried to do it on YouTube. And I was like, how hard can it be? And it's like, you have to get like an encoder, you have to set up like views, and you have to figure out your, your frame rate and your upload rate and like what your, your internet speed. <laughs> like, there's so many. I, I remember I had to like, uh, something, something crazy. Like, the home pods in my house were like over aggressive about the Wi-Fi so I had to like plug in like it was like there's so many things it's like you go on these forums and it's so funny because people like oh yeah like you're gonna have to either like ethernet or like turn off your home pods or something like that and it's like like what like why does this matter like this is ridiculous (laughs) yeah I I will give one
1: tool recommendation we we use a tool called Streamyard, so that's what we use for yeah which actually removes there's I mean there's still going to be some complexity but Basically, it's an entirely web-based tool that handles um, essentially video capture, audio capture, lets you bring on guests, and you can connect it with Twitch or YouTube and then just basically hit a button to stream to those platforms. Nice. So that saved us quite a bit of time because we had went down the route of uh, like OBS setups and uh, realizing our, our laptops that we use for just day-to-day work weren't powerful yep. enough to run like a total OBS setup. and. So we were struggling between like, well, are we going to buy like high end PCs for this? <laughs> and we eventually decided on you know, StreamYard does everything we really care to do and it does it quite well. And it uh, just takes out some of the complexity and lets us focus on actually producing something compelling and not the video, pro- not as much on the video production aspect of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. StreamYard is is a great pitch, to be honest, like um, I've recommended it to a couple of people who, who are doing online meetups now. Um just because it does make a lot of that stuff super easy in terms of bringing people on. The setup is is relatively easy as well. You know, like if you ever joined a Zoom call, you can probably figure out how to, you know, join a StreamYard. And yeah, again, like taking all of that processing out off of your computer is incredibly helpful. Yep. I remember like one of my one of the first streams that I tried, it was like I I got all ready, I was feeling really good and then like uh what is it it was um oh, shoot like uh, code sandbox i was using code sandbox and it just stopped because it was like it couldn't like all the computing part of it that had to happen on my computer like was not able it was starved of resources from all the things that obs was doing so i think that's a super good uh pitch for people who want to get started
1: yeah and when we first started with obs like one of the reasons we looked for something else is because we would just have these sporadic issues where, like you said, like the the sheer like processing power, my laptop and I have a decently like high end MacBook yeah. Pro, just couldn't keep up. It just wouldn't encode fast enough, or whatever the case might be, and the stream itself would get choppy, and the audio wouldn't come through quite right. And then also, if you have your own home setup, like getting other people on the call is more complicated <laughs> than you think it would yeah. be because you have to get into some craziness of like ndi and skype or hangouts or discords and then how you bring in all these feeds and it's a rabbit hole you probably don't there are some people that really get into that sort of thing and that's great for them but most people were not going to want to dive into all of that mess because it's it's insanity really
0: yeah yeah it's funny i think it's it's so true because like a lot of people ask me for like mic recommendations and it's like well like i could tell you what i use but like you're not going to want to use it like it, there's just so many moving pieces like you know versus like a usb mic where you just plug it in and go and like maybe it's not ideal but like having it work reliably by just plugging something in is like so much better than like kind of going you know full pro like right from the beginning
1: yeah and i'd say like back to your original question about just recommend recommendations and getting started Really I just encourage people to try it because if you try it and don't get too overwhelmed, right? You don't need to set up a full like streaming setup, or spend thousands of dollars to configure something. You can stream to Twitch like really easily. Yeah. Like you can get a free StreamYard account, you can log in with a Twitch account, you can hit go, you can be streaming within 5 minutes. All you need is the like the webcam on your laptop, and that's enough to sort of test the waters. Um try it out. The first time you hit go live, it is really weird uh, <laughs> because it takes a surprising amount of confidence just to hit the button for the first time, just to think like, Oh, wait a second. Like I'm actually going to be going live and you get all these ideas in your head. Like, Oh, like, like for some reason your brain is thinking you're going to be projected on like new, like the, the, The like Wall Street in New York (laughs) or uh, Times Square. I don't know where I'm going with Wall Street, but you're, you're, but really it's like you hit that button and like chances are no one at first is going to be watching you or finding you. But it's a good just sort of exercise to go through because the only way you get better, like anything else, is by doing it. And you can do it a few times and broadcast to no one, but use that as a chance of like work on your presentation skills, work on whatever format you're planning on doing. And then once you've got some of the habit down, then you can go from there. It's like, OK, well, now that I've got some of the basics down and I you can see if you enjoy it and if I do want to keep doing it. All right. What are my next steps? How how am I going to try to grow the amount of people that are watching this? How am I going to improve my home setup so I'm producing something of higher quality and you can sort of uh, take the next steps once you've got some of those basics out of the way?
0: Yeah, I think that's incredible advice. I mean, not not just for streaming, but I think career advice as well because a lot of people get it like get in their head like trying to you know be the perfect programmer or knowing all of the best patterns and practices etc and so much of it is just like focusing down putting one foot in front of the other like solving each problem at a time and like realizing like the the world does not have its eyes on you (laughs) like your job is just to keep making steady progress
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's sort of depressing, but you matter less than you think you do, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, yeah, and I, I feel like there's something about streaming that's incredibly humbling in that way, right? It, it, like, because there's this there's almost a number associated with like how much you don't matter.
1: Yeah, it's true, because, yeah, you put out a blog post and no one reads it, and it doesn't feel so bad. You really don't expect anybody to read it. Streaming, you don't expect anybody to streaming to to watch you the first time, but it still feels really kind of depressing. Because yes. Twitch Twitch especially puts it up in a big red number, right? <laughs> it's like very obvious. Like, they really want you to know that no one's watching you right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I showed up, and nobody else showed up. Like nobody cares it is it's I, I feel like it takes a lot of you know as you mentioned it takes a lot of hubris just to press the button but then it takes a lot of emotional resilience to like keep doing it like keep at it even when it's not like that number isn't going up the way that you'd you'd hoped
1: yeah and I think you got to experiment with it to find what's unique about whatever it is you're presenting um because it really is hard and like this is another thing that's uh, sort of beyond just the streaming concept but you have to have some reason to stand out in a crowded space because there are lots of people that are trying to become the next YouTube star (laughs) or trying to become the next big Twitch streamer. And so ideally you would have some sort of angle that you stand out. on, Right. So for, for me it's tried to be, well, I'm going to reliably bring in react people that are good and have like a format where I can chat with them every week. So I tried to move it away from like being about me and like me showing off things to like bringing in others Mm -hmm. and, whether that angle is going to work is still sort of yet, yet to be seen, but having some sort of compelling thing, like what is it? Chances are you listening to this have some unique experience to bring to the yeah. table, whether it's something you work on or some technology, you just know better than anybody else. Cause that's your day-to-day job or your background, or maybe you have some interesting, some of the most interesting streamers are people that are not only good developers, but have some other sort of talented life. That's just sort of interesting, whether it's, music or or something else because you're creating more of a a hangout experience so if you have like some interesting life background that just makes you more of an interesting person to watch and chat with
0: yeah yeah so i'm curious you know there's always an intermediate step for people who want to get involved in this type of stuff and want to like see behind the scenes but don't have the hubris yet to actually like press that go live button and so i'm curious you know in your work on you know react wednesdays Um, what does that look like for people who want to get involved in terms of like watching or like participating or like showing up for the events? And um, I guess even going beyond that, like what are areas that you see as kind of like those next stages for improving that to develop community?
1: Yeah, it's like a lot of things. One thing you can do is just look around and see what's working for other people. (laughs) Um, So this is true in the sort of blogging and YouTube space as well. But You can learn tips and tricks from watching others and seeing the formats they like and the people that are. And you can emulate. You don't want to necessarily steal a format outright because, again, you want to bring something unique. But if you notice things that work, it's absolutely something that you can incorporate into your workflows. And so, I mean, I get a lot of ideas. One thing kind of cool at Progress, we have a number of different people experimenting with streaming. So we run twitch.tv slash live. And so, Progress is a big company. So we do things in the .NET space. We do things in the Angular space. We do things in the React space, uh, and even through like DevReach, like that even was an experiment, right? Like let's take some ideas to see what happens. Like we did s- some things with like VR and AR that oh, nice turns out are are fun, but also really hard to stream. <laughs> uh we did like for example we ran a trivia thing like a kahoot trivia and that actually worked really well because it's it's again like those things that bring the audience in right and so if you can have the audience say like hey we're doing a trivia thing and we're going to give away a prize at the end of this turns out that works out uh quite well and so it's something that we're looking to to do more of because it brings the audience in but just you know sort of Getting involved, uh, poking around, seeing the sort of people that you find sort of engaging Mm. to watch. Uh, So, like another person I I watch sometimes, so Cassidy Williams is one of the uh, few streamers in the React space that like does it fairly regularly, and I consider quite good. Um, She's surprisingly engaging, and you actually like care to see her code just because she's sort of an interesting person. Yeah. And it's it's sort of like finding other people that are doing this and just sort of uh seeing what works for them, you know, trying to be inspired by other examples
0: of what works. I do feel like Cassidy is is, is maybe the perfect person for this type of thing. Like her her sense of humor, like her ability to like improv and like act things out. Like she's just like tailor made for like code streaming. I'm jealous.
1: Yeah, I find like <laughs> In Twitch, there's there's usually two ways people do quite well. The first is you just have an incredibly engaging person or a personality, like the sort of person you'd want to go hang out with. Yeah. And the other thing that can work is people that are just really good at something. So if you think of like a lot of the gaming streams or people watch them because that's someone that's really good at a certain game and people want to see how they do it yeah and obviously if you can put both together if you have someone that's a really engaging personality that is also really good at something well then you've sort of (laughs) hit the it's a magic bullet right that's what can really work um but i also would encourage people not to be overwhelmed by that as well right if you're not like a complete expert and like also a stand-up comedian on the side you can still be somewhat successful on twitch but in terms of like trying to move yourself to the next level. That's the sort of thing you can be sort of aspirational towards and move towards.
0: Yeah. Now I want to ask about the economics of streaming. Um, I think whether those be like personal economics, personal value, you know, you know, like if there is money in it, you know, eventually, or if it's really just exposure and like kind of creating opportunities for yourself, um, you know, down the line in this kind of new world, um, or if it's, you know, like, like what the economics of, of this are uh, for streaming and like individuals?
1: Yeah, it's I would actually say it's somewhat similar to conference speaking in a ways in that for most people, it's about just recognition, getting your name out there, putting yourself in the conversation sort of thing but for like an exclusive few it can be about making money like at tech events there's a select few like high end people that'll actually get sort of paid sure. to go to events but for most speakers going to events right they they might get their flight or whatever covered but they're they're not getting some giant stipend of money to go out <laughs> and give a talk on you know floats and css or whatever right and i'd say the same is basically true on twitch like there is some reality there. Like if you get to be like a, a high-end person streaming some game, I don't think this person exists for like the tech world just because it's not as popular. But you know, there's a chance of making some money. But I think if you're interested in doing it from a tech perspective, it's mostly about just getting your name out there. So it'd be similar to uh, trying to speak at conferences or trying to to get YouTube videos out there, blogs out there, making your name well known. And there's some real value in that, right? Like I, I know I got started in the tech space by just blogging and eventually those blogs got seen by some people and I got to give a conference talk and then some people saw those conference talks and I got the job that I have today. So the same sort of thing can absolutely happen in the Twitch space. If you get started, it's a place that you can potentially make a name for yourself, get better known within the community and that can lead to opportunities. But it's very much um, not like directly financial, yeah. right? It's, I don't think people should expect to get into Twitch streaming and just watch the dollars <laughs> roll in. Um, but it's a good name to like, it's, it's a unique platform that's sort of new. And I think one thing that I wonder is, you know, we've seen a lot more engagement on Twitch because of the pandemic. And this is true outside of the tech world, right? Twitch and YouTube are just getting way more people on their platforms because there's just, more people at home looking for this sort of thing. Right. And I'm wondering, and I I don't have the answer to this, but how much of that is going to continue like post pandemic? Like at some point when in-person events start happening again and people have commutes and can listen to react podcasts (laughs) on their way to work, like how much that's going to sort of revert back to normal and how much some of these things are, are going to be permanent changes to the way we, do events and meetups and such
0: yeah yeah i you know there's there's two things i want to you know respond to and impress and, and on there is is that it is interesting the kind of the notion of uh, of fads right like are we are we over optimizing for something that's going to go away um you know when this like virus goes away or has it been long enough now that all of us have kind of seen the light and you know, we, no one wants to go back to an office and have a commute and all that, that again. Um, But then also like that thing you touched on earlier, which is that this seems like, it seems like these are ways of people kind of creating, um, like, I don't know, I am so reluctant to say like personal brand, um, but, but that a, a something that is transferable with you, from job to job right it's like almost part of your resume and if you can take like the things that you're learning and transition like transfer those to some type of like public artifact like it's really amazing like how far those things will go in terms of creating opportunities for you
1: yeah and i definitely encourage people to do sort that sort of thing i mean it's it definitely worked for me i i got my start in the insurance world and the nature of that world is, is not super conducive to like you putting out public uh, blog posts <laughs> about the crazy technology you're using. And so I did a lot of my initial stuff on the side. I would just started up a personal blog, started doing some conferences. And that's something I was throwing a ton of time into, but just something that, like you said, it, it exists outside of your current job so that your resume isn't just hey i worked at place a for from this year to this year place b from this year that you have some artifacts something that you can point to that exists that's out there and so whether that is twitch or youtube or blog posts i for anybody that wants to sort of advance their career and want to open themselves up to new opportunities i think it's incredibly valuable and then in terms of whether these platforms stick around, I think it's, no one knows for sure, like no one knows where the world will be in a year from now, right? If, if anybody did know, I, I want some investment <laughs> advice <laughs> from them. But I also think there's, there's not a whole lot of harm in trying because what's the, like, if you manage to build some success on Twitch, like some of that, those sort of skills absolutely do transfer to other things yeah. as well. Uh, you will become better at just presenting in general, which is an incredibly valuable skill to have. It'll help you create videos because that's a market that's not going away. It does help in terms of being better at presenting at sort of conferences. So you could take those skills to present at conferences. So even if these platforms do completely go away, nine months from now, the world is <laughs> completely <laughs> normal. I would argue that it's it's not really a wasted uh, effort. I think there's still a lot of skills that you gain from going through the the
0: process. Yeah, I totally agree with you. In terms of like content creation around these things, do you feel like that's one of the reasons? Um, and I, I know that you have talked quite a bit um, in, in, in various places about kind of like free software, free open source software versus like for pay open source software. And I don't think we have enough time to cover that today. But do you think that that's one of the reasons people are gravitating towards open source software because they can, you know, like you were saying, like in, in insurance, you can't like share how like the 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 pie is made, right? But with open source, it's kind of like a free, like you can say whatever you want and you're good to go. It's like really just all yours at that point.
1: I think a lot of people view open source software is almost like a, a resume builder sort of thing hmm. because It's so much more valuable to be able to say, I worked on something like React, for example, right? Like if you learn, you'd rather use React at some company than some other, like say proprietary framework, because, well, there are other (laughs) React jobs out there. And so that just makes you more valuable as an employee. Because one thing I've learned, and like you said, we won't get too much into this, but as soon as you charge money for anything, you are limiting your community hmm. size. It's just the very nature. There's going to be fewer people. Everybody's going to prefer something free over something sure. paid, and so you're going to limit your potential market. And I, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing because you're you're sort of paying and getting more direct value uh, for whatever it is you're producing. But you're going to have things like fewer Stack Overflow posts. You're going to have uh, fewer people participating in your community, less social activity, that sort of thing as well. And I think it sort of drives this sort of interesting dynamics where we have an open source today where like somehow everything is free. But I, I think it is true. It's like people that they're just looking out for themselves for very good reason, that yeah. they, they want to be more employable. It's still a good time to be a software developer. So it it pays, it's in your best interest to be using things that other people are using and they're going to help you get the next job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh well, this has been super fun. I've learned a ton. Um I'm curious as people want to get involved in React Wednesdays or any other places that you are about the internet. Uh how can they um how can they find you, follow you, listen to you, watch you, read your work? <laughs> any of the various ways that you publish content? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so React Wednesdays, it's Telerik.com slash React-Wednesdays. But you could probably just Google React Wednesdays. I would hope we're the first thing that comes <laughs> up. Otherwise, I've got a, I'm have got going to have a conversation here in a little bit. Um, and TJ Vantoll, it's TJ and then Van, V-A-N-T-O-L-L. It's a pretty unique name, so I've I've captured this username. We were joking about this earlier, <laughs> but I've captured this username throughout the internet. So TJ Vantoll on Twitter, on GitHub. Twitter's usually the best way to get a hold of me. So if you have any
0: questions, um, you want to follow me, that sort of thing, that's the best place for that. Awesome. Awesome. And then just one last thing, you know, as you're looking forward to, I I know you were saying if you could find someone who could predict the future, you'd love to have a chat with them. Uh, What do you think is kind of in store over the next like two to three years? Like do you feel like in your heart, like these are just fads and we're going to kind of go back to business as usual with regards to conferences and meetups? Or do you think that this is really kind of our new normal? So I think the future here, I'm going to I'm gonna predict it
1: here. <laughs> we're going to do remote events are going to get more interesting. Mm. And I don't know exactly how they will, but the potential is really there, right? There's no reason why online events shouldn't be very compelling. Theoretically, anybody can join them. And why is it that remote events that you sign up for today feel very much like an in-person one where you just go in, you give a, you're give you given a schedule, speaker A comes on for 30 minutes, then speaker B. Yeah. There's so much potential for innovation, making things more social, uh, different social events where you get people brought together. And I don't have the answer. We're trying to work on the answer. <laughs> we're we're basically throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And uh, we've had varying levels of success so far. But you know we're not the only ones playing with this space. And I think the the virus has really just opened things up for this experimentation. Yeah. So you have companies like ours that used to spend a whole lot of time and effort putting on these physical events that now like aren't doing that. Right. <laughs> right? So. Have some time to sort of try new formats, and like i said I don't know what's going to work, but I think the future is remote events that are just more fun to go to than what we have today
0: I love that I love that. I hope that it comes true because it it feels like we're feeling a little bit of that transition pain right now, or maybe a lot of it, um, but I really do think that there's so much potential here, and I like your uh, your vision of very like engaging kind of well defined um online events yep
1: we'll see if it happens <laughs> well i
0: hope for both of our sake that, that that it does and we can figure out a a better path forward for this uh, online content stuff um tj thanks so much for being here i really appreciate your time and talking with us uh very candidly about the challenges um and kind of joys of of streaming
1: yeah thanks for having me this is a lot of fun
0: Before you go, join us in Discord. Each week we have a new episode party and listen all the way through the episode together. It's super fun and guests of the show often stop by to chat. You can find the link in the description or in the Twitter profiles of at Chantastic or at React Podcast. This has been episode 122 of React Podcast with Chantastic and guest TJ tool. A transcript, links, and show notes will be available at reactpodcast.com slash 122 soon. Thanks to our sponsors, Honey Badger and Infinite Red. When your deployments go sideways, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, cron monitoring, external service, and job monitoring all into a single easy-to-use platform. Give HoneyBadger a try today. Visit HoneyBadger.io, mention React Podcast at sign up and get 30% off for six months. Again, that's HoneyBadger.io. Infinite Red is your friendly, expert resource for React and React Native. They've worked with developers and entrepreneurs like you to design, build, and ship quality apps. They've been doing it for over 10 years. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast-track your career. I'm your friend Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week.